What's going on, everybody? Thank you again for tuning in to a new episode of Change the Subject. I'm your host, BJ. You can follow me on Twitter at DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. And if you want to follow the show, you can follow the show on Instagram at The Subject Change. Thank you guys again for returning and tuning in. Um, I need to ask you guys to rate and subscribe to the show. I'm trying to get a little bit more um, feedback from the listeners just just to know how i'm doing so um anytime you get a chance head over to apple Podcasts to leave a review we're also on spotify stitcher google play apple Podcasts, radio public anchor and iHeartRadio. so just head over to any of those and um just subscribe but enough of that i got a really good show today for the first time i'm actually on this particular episode with somebody I've been trying to work with for so long. Like this has been one of the goals. Um, he's one of two people in this particular podcast conglomerate of a sort that I have been really striving to get in touch with. So I'm really excited about this conversation. I got none other than Flaw 700 on today's episode. What's good, homie? What's going on, man? Long time coming, I guess we could say. <laughs> yeah, man. I. I I definitely appreciate that intro, man. It meant a lot to me. Yeah, man. It's been a minute. I've been telling myself for ages. I'm like, I definitely got to get the brothers on the show. It's just so happened that we ended up being able to connect first. But I still got to come out to Jersey so I can link up with you and Freshco. Shouts out to the brother Freshco um, from the podcast brothers as well. But how you been since the last time I seen you? What was that in New York for the SO live show, right? Yeah. Yep. I've, I'm in the best mental shape in my life, man. That's like, what's up. I'm, 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 I'm doing wonderful. Like, I'm doing splendid. Oh, man, life that's good, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. shouts out to you. You just had the new baby and all of that good stuff. Yeah, man. How is that months, being? She's a bundle of joy. Yeah. She's just a bundle of joy, man. Like, now, all she does now, like, with a baby, they just either want to go to sleep, eat, or change. <laughs> like, it's just three principles. Well, four. They want attention. They want to be held. So it's just as long as you know which one they want, it's it's simple. So all she does now is just talk uh, like a baby kid at two months and laugh and smile. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Bringing in that new light and energy to the family, you know, and everything is always good. I realize now that um, even as an adult, like the simpler things become, the easier life gets. So like just reducing yourself to being a parent or being a creative a lot of times like that brings about a lot of joy you know what i'm saying like you really don't need a whole lot in order to live and now more than ever i'm starting to realize that like i really enjoy being around my nieces and nephews more now than ever like it used to be a point where like being around a bunch of kids used to be exhausting because they're full of energy and as an adult sometimes you don't have it but just those moments where you're seeing them grow they're coming into their own personalities and they're developing in front of you like you you kind of begin to appreciate that more because that's something that you can actually be a part of you know what i'm saying so mm, it's definitely dope so um shouts out to you for that um like i said i've been wanting to get you on here because um i have a a very interesting conversation to um discuss with you and i think that you're going to you're going to add the perfect perspective to it but first we have to get into a new segment now, I have this new segment called Q-A-N-A, you know, mm -hmm. and it's basically like an icebreaker of a sort to kind of like get a little bit of idea 
of what your personality is like, what your choices are and how you respond to certain things. So we're just going to get into that first before we actually touch the topic. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. So question number one is what are you most attracted to in a woman, her hands or her feet? Oh, her feet. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why the feet? It's something about, I don't you know what I was conditioned young like television television showed you perfection oh. and they highlighted certain things uh-huh. so it was just like TV trained me on what to like because you know back then it was uh, models like today's television is just regular like everybody's pulling up with around the way girls and their videos and stuff like that like everybody's like independent mm-hmm. when I was growing up they search high high for the models. So regardless of what you was watching, whether it was the porn or whether it was rap videos, the women were of high quality. Oh, so okay. It made you like strive for that. Like, oh man, I, I want a woman that's, you know what I mean? Like that. And for some reason, I don't know why the foot <laughs> yeah. uh, stuck out. Yeah. And it was just like, well, if a woman can take care of her feet, then she can, you know yeah, what I mean? She must take care of everything else. Yeah. Take care of everything okay. else. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, number two is um, Joe Button or Red Man? Joe Button. And that was tough, but then I thought about why. Why you say Joe Button? Joe Button got me through some real tough situations, man. Oh, yeah. I can't say I can't say that Red Man has ever helped me with my life. Like, I don't smoke weed, so I don't need Red Man in that aspect, but I have zoned out by myself listening to Joe Button and getting over heartbreak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I do think that Joe Budden is probably who I, I would say too, um, because I think that like he's one of the most emotional rappers that I've ever experienced, and he can actually articulate his feelings perfectly. You, you know exactly. what I'm saying? Because like the um, wh- which mixtape was it? Um, I think it was, it was either the Mood Music Three or. I'm not even going to try to figure it out because I know it was one tape where he was just like really expressive. And that's kind of what got me into Joe Budden, because prior to that, I wasn't the fan of Def Jam Joe Budden at all. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like once I began to like experience um, his more independent stuff, like uh, the last album, The Rage Against the Machine, that was like probably the mm-hmm. best album of that year, though we never okay. credited it as that. So, like, I would definitely say Joe Budden, too. He really does have a way to help you deal with your, like, actual manhood and feelings more so. Red Man is just more like entertainment to me. Yeah. Yeah, Red Man was dope, but he never really, like, hit home yeah. with, like, reality, like, with the world. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of hard, though, because I I do kind of, like, hold Muddy Waters in a much higher regard when it comes to Jersey rappers, period. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Budden definitely takes that one. Okay, um, number three is, which would be your occupation as a man if you had to choose? A beautician or a nail or eyebrow tech? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> uh, the, the beautician, that's like the makeup and stuff? That's, uh, that's more like the hair. Might be a beautician, son. Huh? Let, <laughs> let me style you real quick, man. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's how I feel too. Like I don't Yeah, man. You know, because even though like I mean the first question of course dealt with like the hands and feet, I'm personally not the the feet guy completely like as far as touching them. Like I've never really been that dude for real. I don't really think that I've broken that habit of still being kind of squeamish about that. That's, I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that. Like even though I'm always looking at the feet, I'm not touching the feet in a sense. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm just making sure you got them done. <laughs> right. Facts. So that that I would be the beautician too. So number four is in the event of crisis, which is most important: something to drink or something to eat? Something to drink. Mm. Something to drink, man. I've listen. I've been eating. Without drinking and damn near die. Like I can't eat without drinking. It's something about it that like my body can't handle. Okay. Like if I'm if I'm eating while I'm driving, I'll start to hiccup. I'll start to like I can't like I don't know what happens to me where I really gotta stop and find something to drink. Now I've known or I've heard that sometimes when you're hungry, it makes you just thirsty. Like water can actually quench mm-hmm. a lot and um can like satisfy your right. hunger, dehydrate you. Um, if you eating and not drinking, man, you actually are going to come across some problems. Dehydration, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like <laughs> depending on what you're eating, it might be kind of hard for that to right, go down. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. All right. So uh number five is you have one artist to pick to listen to forever. Who would that be and why? Michael Jackson. Oh. Uh he has a he has a long catalog. Like I was listening to this catalog the other day. So we talked, and and, and that was not even a Jackson Five, but from Off the Wall mm-hmm. until his last album, um, where Timberland did some of the yeah. beats. There was something on every album that I was like, "Yo, Mike, like, yo, how did you go from decade to decade with fire? I don't know another artist that can do it from '79 until the time they die. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So if I would have a wide variety of music from him. Like it'll be less repeats. And then Thriller. I yeah, mean, come on yeah. now. Doom, doom. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect that's a perfect choice. I think I would have probably picked between like Stevie or Marvin Gaye. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because I think that same thing. It's just like, you know, one, I know that I'm very, very greedy when it comes to music. So I would have picked somebody naturally that had an extensive catalog. So Stevie probably you know ain't no telling how many albums he got so i have enough to sustain me through however long this life it is that i have to go through you know with this one artist but then it's just like um between the two mm, between stevie and marvin i would probably have to go with stevie Mm. that's hard but i think um i think there's more songs from stevie that resonate with me than marvin I think that the only reason why I love Marvin was because he was like sexually mature in his music. So I think that that's the only reason it's like you think romance, whereas I think Stevie kind of gives you like an overall picture of everything. So I would probably say Stevie. Just to add one Uh more thing to that, Human Nature was was my first therapeutic song. Like when that comes on... It makes me just want to grab something cold, put some, like some vodka, some glass of ice, and just sit back and look up at the clouds oh, wow. and just zone out. Like so, Human Nature was the first song that I was just like, right, I need this because my mood is crappy right oh, now. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah. That's good that you got that too, because I mean, I 
I don't think I have a song that makes me feel like that that I can think of. Like, um, mm. I know that like the songs that we typically put on, like uh, if you put on uh, uh, like Frankie Beverly and Mays, like they got incredible music, but you always think like family gatherings, barbecue, like yeah. a whole lot of energy. But like just to kind of enjoy the atmosphere the peace and the solace i can't think of a song that puts me in that mode so that's gonna be something i'm gonna focus on is trying to find yeah. something that make me vibe out like that that's dope that you yeah. look at it like that mm-hmm. so um i think that yeah yours was kind of easy like these questions was easy in comparisons to the other ones so you kind of got off easy man if you got a hard <laughs> one I, listen man i i'm here for it uh if you want overtime, we can do it. <laughs> all right. So let me look. Um, yeah, all of these is crap. Okay, let me try this one. Well, this ain't even that bad either. Okay, how would you rather retire? Broke with lots of love or wealthy with a lot of responsibility? Oh, you might have got me there because as a man, I... Well, not just not as a man. You don't have to be a man to be, you know. I mean, to have the mind state of of a provider. But I am a provider. Okay. Um. So I don't know how I will receive being broke but being loved because my love is to take care. So yeah, you'll have people you'll have people loving on me like my kids or whoever I'm involved with, and I'm and I feel like crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then I'll have the means of providing with nobody to provide for. How you got me? <laughs> oh man, I didn't even think I was gonna walk you into that one, but that's true. That's so true. because I'm a natural provider, I would rather be lock and loaded with nobody to love, but be ready if somebody was to love me. I couldn't be, I couldn't have nothing. Right, you know what I mean? right, so right. I I'd have to have something. That's ill. That's ill. So you. You got to know who you are. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like, true, I'm, true. I'm a provider, fam. So if I got nothing but everybody loves me, I'm going to feel some type of way. Man, that was crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so in that theory of in in that theory of having something, what does that like entail? Like, okay, when you say wealthy, like what of what do you think of when you think wealthy? You know what I'm saying? Because then it it kind of becomes a different question if you're saying like wealthy in the sense of having lots of money like materialisms like what is wealthy to you well being a provider just means for me making a way so it it won't necessarily mean money but when you are in charge when you are responsible for um like your children Mm -hmm. and the person that you're dealing with um and you know your children's children for me you know I, i look at it like that as a provider you just want to be there to provide, whether it be money or outlets or ideas or anything, okay. you know? So when I mean wealthy, it's not just, you know I mean, I'm Scrooge McDuck. Let me go into my little chamber and get money for y'all because it, it goes beyond yeah, money. Yeah, It just goes beyond, I want to be the connect okay. for the people who look up, who, who love me. Okay. Yeah, that was dope. That was dope. That kind of actually walks us into um, some sense of the conversation that we're going to have. I wanted to talk about, like the sophistications of hatred nowadays because um Mm -hmm. our views and opinions of it when we talk about hatred it used to be where we would talk about like people just not wanting to see you have but um over time you begin to kind of realize that it's not 
always that case, depending on who you're referring to as the hater. When you look mm-hmm. at your family, when you look at your boys and the people that you came up with, sometimes is that idea of not wanting to be left behind, still wanting to feel a part of, still wanting to be um, received and accepted to some degree. So like that hatred is like them kind of just wanting you to like slow down your process or stunt somewhat of your growth so that you won't like escape their reach or you won't necessarily leave their realm of comfort. And we don't readily recognize that anymore because it's, it's so sophisticated. It's like, um, the reason I guess I would call it sophisticated is because it developed from extremely high degrees of manipulation. Um, it's very intricate and it's also emotional. And a lot of times we not even prepared for it or even know how to deal with it because it's disguised as love. You know what I'm saying? Like it's disguised as being something beneficial to you. So like to kind of get started with the discussion, like how do you identify with hatred today as a man? Today, how I deal with hatred, well, you know, for me, I think that the social media world has definitely um, put the hatred on steroids Oh wow! Um, yeah. because everybody is trying to be somebody on social media, whether it be a content creator or whether you just want to be somebody popular, you know, like you're taking that mentality from school. Now we're all adults and we all want, and I'm just going to say all of us just because that's not saying me or you, but I'm just going to bunch us all in. It's just how okay. I talk, but all, but we all want to get likes and retweeted on Twitter and things of that nature. And if somebody that's next to you is getting more attention, it just automatically breeds hate or a misunderstanding of what or something you're doing wrong. So I just think that the sophisticated hate has definitely increased ever since social media. Why? Because we're all around a bunch of strangers that we don't know. We're um, um, just competition. Like we're all competitive. Right, right. And that leads to like, oh man, like, oh, you doing better than me? And it might just be a funny thing. Like, let's just talk about podcasting. Let's just say, uh, you know, you get Joe Button on your podcast next week. A lot of people go look at that like, how the how do you do that? <laughs> like, yeah, you know I mean, like, it's gonna be hate, but it's gonna be love. It's gonna be like, yo, fuck that. Like, I, I want Joe Button next. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So it's 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 it, it just comes with it and it has increased so much just because we're all elbow to elbow right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. That's a um that's a great way of putting it because I think about like um like how you say if we just so happen to, you know, expand our reach and get to those levels of guests, is it it's almost like we take ownership of that too, because if somebody comes behind you and get Joe Budden on their show right after you, you feel like they trying to like follow your footsteps when that could have still been very much their goal too. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like you become possessive of certain yep. things because you feel like, oh, it's me. I'm that that I'm that guy in this section of culture hey. and, you know, content. You think like now that solidifies just you. You know what I'm saying? And just and just like you said, when somebody's moving past you, let's say we all started podcasting at the same time, but somebody takes off. Yeah. You're going to look like, yo, like, yo, like, yo, we started the same year. How you got wild downloads and I don't got that many yet? It's it's it's, it's going to be there. There's no way that somebody's going to be in the same field mm-hmm. with you. They're going to applaud you, 
but it's going it's, it's going to be some type of hate, even if it's just to motivate themselves. Not necessarily saying, I don't like BJ no more because he he moved past me. You're going to have people saying, yo, how the hell he do that? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I, I guess for us, we would have to just know how to process it because that's the part I'm cool with. Like, because I think that, as you say, like, that's a, that, that's kind of a sophisticated way of motivating you. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I'm not directly involved in nothing that you're doing to tell you what you need to do. I still give you the opportunity to develop your own sense of self. But at the same time, I'm still showing you like a certain level of guideline or a certain level of effort and hustle to kind of put you in a position to do the same things that I'm doing. And I think that like because we're so competitive in this field. I think we tend to forget that we all kind of want the same things, you know, like, and it's, and it's honest, like you don't necessarily have to be a copycat to do some of the same things that other people are doing. Now, if you take, for instance, that example you gave of somebody getting a high profile guest and you go get that same guest and do the same thing that they done, then naturally you showed that that was like your level of sophisticated hatred. You pretty much mimicked everything that they did. But if you get that same person and you have a different dialogue and conversation, then that kind of pushes the conversation a little bit forward for the culture. I think that we have to quit trying to compete with each other. Like, I genuinely love the podcast brothers. I genuinely love Appreciate you know, that. the streets, you know, the officially street podcast. Like, I don't have to look at you guys and say, like, oh, I got to step my shit up. You know what I'm saying? On a jealousy level. Yeah. Like I just look at some of the things that you guys do and say, damn, that's dope. Let me figure out a way to level myself up. I'm not trying to copy. I'm trying to elevate. I I definitely want to shout out um, the Officially Street podcast. Like I be, I be looking and watching and this is no knock on nobody. Mm -hmm. But I think that a lot of times people like to compare us. Yeah. And lucky for us, lucky for us, all four of us, all, all six of us, you know what I mean? They got Cherry and we got uh, Killer K from time yeah. to time. Lucky for us, we aren't on some F them and they on some F us. Right. I'm saying like, because I'm pretty sure they hear it and we hear it. But I just think that because both podcasts started out as two males. A piece, yeah. So we, we get tied together all the time. So if somebody says, who's better? They're like, who's better? Podcast Brothers and TOS. And she's like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's cool, cool. But it's whack. That's cool. But, but well, I would say... My thing is, we honestly have two different shows. I just think that they group us together because you got Jay and Sayer, and then you got me and my right, brother. Right. It's just two two men. Normally, you'll have a podcast with a male and female, or a woman and man, or you'll have multiple hosts. We're like the only ones kind of like that started out as two and yeah. two. So I don't know. We're always just going to be tied together in, in the pop. But I think we need to change the way that we look at stuff, too, because it almost it almost becomes a thing where we don't even appreciate the content because we're so busy trying to compare everything. Mm. It's almost like the, the theory of um, the top five. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can't just appreciate the five people. You have to compare them to each other to see who's better, who has the better album, what you know, how long is the body of yeah. work, like how many filler records was it? Like you're so busy trying to like break everything down that you just don't appreciate the transparency, the honesty, the vulnerability, all of the things that you get from it that helps you develop as a person because music and podcasts typically nowadays 
do the same thing. We we don't realize how many people come to like our shows to hear us talk about things that they're struggling to deal with. You know what right. I'm saying? And so in every regard, whether it be you guys and um, all of the people that you have on the audio fam network, or if it's SO and the cancer chronicles, like everybody has a, a resource to help somebody get through something, even if it's just making them laugh, you know what I'm saying? Like they come for something right. and you should be able mm-hmm. to appreciate it. And that's what I believe this conversation is really about is like touching on the ways that we've turned we've turned things into other things like we don't know how to say i appreciate what you do so we hate on it you know what i'm saying or we don't know how to say like you dope as a male podcaster or a male you know content creator we'll just hate on you just to not know what to do with the energy like so do you feel like those type of things when you when you see somebody doing something good like is it is it like that honest competitor or does it like put you in a place where you have to reassess yourself as a creator? Well, you know, it, it goes back before podcasting. It's just like, when have we ever uh, bigged each other up? You know, just as men. Right, right. You know, when has men ever, you know, we bigged each other up? You know, when we go through things, we just say, have a drink or have a smoke or get over it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so all the energy that we've ever had just now goes into what we're creating now. So as, as men, and I can't speak for women because I know women have their own thing mm-hmm. where they're trying to come together and support each other in a way. So I can't speak on them, even though the women, um, their, their movement in the podcast community is strong. Oh, like, yeah. I love oh, what yeah. they do. Yeah. Like, women run the podcast <laughs> world. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I love that unity there, but at the end of the day, you're still going to have men who still have a problem telling each other that, that they love each other, they appreciate each other. So it doesn't matter if you're a content creator, you're just a regular guy. Oh, yeah. like, we're just going to be men stuck in that bubble until we try to, um, you know, get out of it. Like we had an episode last year where it was just like, you know what I mean? I love you, man. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, we want to tell, one. you know, black men, we love each other. But at the same time, you can also get away from it because you're conditioned to do a certain thing. So I can say, hey, I want to start telling other black men I love them. Come next week, I didn't forgot about oh, it. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I think that comes from just she- like our responsibilities. You know, sometimes we, mm-hmm. like you say, like being that provider, like sometimes that comes with like, you know, a, a very strenuous amount of responsibility and that can happen. But I think yeah. the emphasis of letting a person know how you feel is like now doing those mental health checkups on your brother. Like, bro, how you been? Like, what's, you know, what's the issues that you're dealing with? Are you good? Like those things communicate that same love. It's almost like finding new ways to say, I love you. You know what I'm saying? Like we have to continually grow on being, you know, communicators and being like those those pillars in each other's lives because I know it's a lot of guys that I have around me now that tell me they love me all the time but even if they didn't say it the actions are showing it you know like Mm -hmm. um I used to I used to take well not even take it I used to like really be irritated by uh people who used to send those um those chain posts in your instant messengers or your DMs. Like they'll get those posts and they'll right. like read this and send it to ten people 
and whatever. But like my uncle, he does it. But it's always something powerful. You know, it's always okay. something that, um, you know, is, you know, telling men what they're worth and how they are, you know, kings and, and all of the the positives of black masculinity and manhood. And when he does it, he makes sure that he tags, send it to 20 other men. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, so we get so Powerful. caught up in those those mixtures or those mingling spaces where it can be annoying because there's nothing of any value that's being circulating. But um, yeah. for him, it's like, no, nah, send that to your brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then you personalize it. Like on those instances where you get that chain message of something powerful, you personalize it. And that's how you let somebody know that you love them. Like, look, bro, when I saw this, I thought about you, man. Keep your head up. Stay positive. Man, I'm here for you whenever you need me. And then just attach the post. Like that to me is like a sophisticated way of saying I love you. But when you keep those kind of those kind of posts or those kind of messages or those impartations that you can actually like put into somebody else's life or their energy that's kind of like hatred you know what i'm saying like you don't want to share it you know what i'm saying and that's when it becomes tricky and this is what causes the divide but to like kind of stay with the topic i wanted to kind of talk about the sophistication of childhood friends right now, as parents, it's one thing, but as the actual child developing the relationship with those people that you came up with, it's a different it's a different intuition that is developed. Like you have your parents ultimately telling you, oh, well, he's not a good kid. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, this kid yeah. comes from um, a troublesome or, you know, problematic home. But there's something in you as the kid that understands that he really a good dude. He just come from a bad situation as parents. How responsible do you believe a parent is for his child in terms of picking friends? Because I think that the good child, even though it's a sophisticated situation, you have to like treat it delicately. But I think that good kid is probably a blessing to a bad kid in a way because they get to understand the differences of the decisions that they make, you know, they get to understand right from wrong and the benefits of that. So that good kid may be the influence that this parent is taking away from a bad kid. You know what I'm saying? So like, how- it's, it's definitely, um, man, it's a, it's, it's the flip of the coin because you could look at it as, okay, you bringing this kid off the street cause he doesn't have nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, at home and you bring come into your home he's automatic like my friends regardless of how um they work on the streets you know when you brought your friends over to your house they was always respectful to your mother to your grandmother yeah, yeah. to the elders in the house like you be like Yo, where did you learn those manners because this is not the person that i know from the streets right, right but as a parent your job is to make sure that your kid is good first and foremost so when you're in the house of course it's all good but it's just like when you step outside um, depending on what that kid took with them, they go back outside and they resort back to who they are. Because, you know, change doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. So as far as being a parent, you always got to, you know, say, listen, it's a good kid. Because we all, because parents know. And when your parents try to tell you who was bad, you didn't really understand. But now me as a 35, 36-year-old man, 
I can now look. I can now. I now have the power my parents had, and I can look and see who my kids are around, and I'm going to talk to them. Like, okay, you know, listen, this person, I got a bad vibe from them, and I'm only saying that because I, my job, my number one job is to protect mine. Mm-hmm. And I can't put my kids in danger because another kid need help. Now, I can help them, but I'm not going to send my kid outside to be free and do what they want with this kid because that kid needs a friend. Okay, okay. Um, now, some kids, they do gravitate towards the positive energy, and they want that home feeling that they get from you as a friend. Right, right. Um, and, and they can change, but you just don't know. You just got to keep your eye open and just make sure you're safe. Always keep a curfew. Now we got cell phones. Contact your kids. We ain't had cell phones back oh, yeah. then. So, right, right. You right. know, we just come home when the lights come on and things of that nature. But I'm, me being a parent now and understanding that my main priority is to protect my children. And the kids that they bring home, their friends, aren't all going to get it. So, and, and you don't know who's going to get it. Mm, yeah. I think about that too. When um, I was growing up, there was like, um, there was two guys that I I really considered to be like my best friends. And I'm not, I mean, I know that they not in the best of, you know, circumstances even today. So I'm not going to put their names out here. But like when I was growing up, right. um, we all went to church together and they were like my real friends. And I remember my grandmother always saying like, you know, they going to end up in jail or dead. Like she used to say it, you know, and, you know, I really, really appreciate the fact that they are still alive because I know those are some good dudes. They just might be a little misguided. You know what I'm saying? And, Mm -hmm. you know, they have been to jail a couple of times. But, you know, of course, still in all, I think that if, in fact, we understood the power of community, that maybe those type of things wouldn't be as consistent as they are. Because in our beliefs, sometimes I think that we have a sophisticated way of parenting where we think that oh if we do these things it kind of rids us of the possibilities that you know your kid you know goes left or your kid has these unfortunate opportunities but I think that like sometimes in parenting we have to also be a little bit more active versus giving the directives or the commands you know the Mm -hmm. the guidelines for how the child picks a person because they'll start seeing things naturally through your lens and taking for granted that we are actually here to support and influence each other in positive ways. And I think that if I got an opportunity to hang with them guys more, I probably could have been a better influence, but because it was like, you feel like the mother or the, the grandparent, that I think that kid knows when that mother or grandparent is saying don't hang around him because you begin to be mm-hmm. awkward around them and they and they sense it. You know what I'm saying? And then they start to yeah. feel that rejection and naturally that puts them in that position of having nobody to understand or turn to. And I, I think that that's a more it's an interesting way of alienating people who actually need those influences. And this is how they turn to the solutions they turn to. Like in your mind, mm-hmm. when you think back to like growing up with your friends, it was always somebody in the hood we looked up to, even though he wasn't the perfect person in the world. It was right. what he exemplified that I think made the difference. Like, yeah, he may have sold drugs or yeah, he may have, you know, busted a couple of dudes head, but you knew his heart. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I think that's yeah. the thing that's missing from 
our interactions is we can't understand each other's hearts for one another. And this is what creates the hatred. It's like, I don't, you don't care for me anyway. So why, you know, be good to you or why be stand up and righteous and all of these good things to you? You don't really show me who you truly are. And that's what causes the hatred. Like, do you experience that now as an adult where you kind of say to yourself, like, nah, I ain't going to really kick it with this dude or nah, I ain't going to really like, you know, break too much bread with this guy over here because you pick up on that vibe. But he may just need that influence of flaw. You know what I'm saying? Like the stand up dude that people kind of see in you as you just walk about the world. He may just need that influence, but you just like, nah, I'm not, I'm not really feeling your energy. You know what? It's, it's crazy. I've been and when you sent me the outline to all this stuff, I was just like, Yo, how does this guy know my life? Because <laughs> I was um, I kind of ran into a few situations like what, what, what people don't know. I might have said it on the show, the 700 block mm-hmm. podcast, which is my solo podcast. Right, right. The podcast is named after the block I grew up on. And that's where all my friends like. I had a bunch of friends and that's where we hung out at. Um, so when I started, so with my friends, they aren't social media swab. So then they start getting on. And I haven't seen these people in years, uh-huh. but they say, Oh, you got a 700 block podcast. Yo, I need to get on. And I'm like, no, <laughs> cause I'm, cause I'm looking at, because now I'm looking at you I'm looking at your pictures. And I'm like, okay, so, so what are y'all doing? Are y'all still on the block, smoking weed, drinking forties or whatever it is you're drinking? Like y'all can't, Y'all don't bring nothing to the table for me. Wow. wow. So I, I I can't deal with you because there is nothing. Like, y'all think y'all are entitled because I named a podcast after the street we grew up on. Wow. If wow. you want to name, if you want to name something, like, if you're a rapper and you want a record label, name it 700 Block Records. That Like, that's our street. That's our era. So me, me, me naming my podcast that does not mean that I have to deal with any of you because I can now look at your business card, which is your social media, and see. You have nothing to offer me. Wow. wow. So I had to like cut a few people off. Like growing up with one of them, like he inboxed me on Facebook, like literally crying, like, yo, man, you was one of my best friends growing up. I never felt that though. You understand what I'm saying? So it's just like, I know you need me, but what I'm not about to do is come hang out with you on East State Street. It's not happening. Right, I'm not right. coming out. I'm a, I'm a family man. I'm home. I'm not doing that. Now, that was that situation. Another situation, I got a random phone call from a guy that, you know, I went to middle school with, and he just called me. He was drunk. He was talking about something stupid, and I really wasn't feeling his vibe. Like, yo, bro, I, I got my daughter. I'm chilling, man. Let's call you back. Call you back means I ain't calling you back. Right, right, right. But as soon as I hung up, I said, hey, yo, I think he need me. I called him back immediately. And we talked for like an hour. And yeah, he confessed to me. He said he got he's he stressed, he got a lot of stuff going on, and he needed me. You know what I'm saying? So we talked and we just talked about old stuff. We just vibed and we kicked it. He thanked me for calling him back. Right, right. So there always is going to be levels, and even though we might have been best of friends in middle school and high school or wherever we were, I'm going to assess what you got going on now and see what value do you add to me. And and if I don't want to deal with you. I'm not going to deal with you. Like a lot of people see me and they think the podcast is the greatest thing in the world because they don't really understand the science right. of it. Like to some people it's easy. To some people you a rock star. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I did an ad. 
I did an ad for Title on a few of our podcasts. They thinking I got to deal with Title, so they looking at me like, "Yo, man, Floyd, right. he the man. He worked with Jay Z." <laughs> <laughs> That's what some of them was taking it, but it was just like so. They hitting me up, but it's just like, nah, you're not coming on. I don't want to hear your music. I'm not dealing with you if you're not overall. Your package overall hasn't improved. Yeah, so. yeah. So do you think? Well, no. Let me rephrase that. Is the way you view the struggle detrimental to how you pick your friends? Like when you like you when mean? you say like, okay, we came from the 700 block, you know what I'm saying? And this is our livelihood. This is what we, you know, we represent. And sometimes typically when you pick your friends, it's predicated on how much of a bad experience or circumstance y'all experience together. So like they looking at you as like the big homie that we we came up together. We came through the mud together. And and now that you've kind of this, I guess, developed a purpose or you you have something a little bit more substantial to live for, like your, your kids and your creativity. And they still don't necessarily have that lifeline yet. You know what I'm saying? So like you get those random yeah. points where people that are typically still in that mud you came out of are like reaching back and saying, like, what's going on? You used to be my best friend. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't. Well, the people, when they reach out to me, they don't reach out to me. To, for me, the, the the thing I get is they just want to hang out or they just want to come on the podcast. Now, I'm looking at it like, okay, so what do you have to talk about? Oh, okay. Now, if they said, if they're on some, or, hey, yo, I want to help any way I can. You need a cameraman. You need help with anything. I consider. But when you just got, hey, yo, I want to come on your show. No, it don't work that oh, way. Oh, yeah, what right. What do you right. have going on? So they really don't have nothing going on, and I want to help them. But at the same time, you have to uh, want to be helped, or you have to know that you need help and put yourself in position. Because if, if you're around me, I'm going to drop some gems on you. I can't help but do it. Anybody that's around me, I'm going to tell you some things that I've learned because there's no sense of me learning anything and keeping it in. Right, right. So I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to drop some gems on you. If you do not receive the gems that I give you, that kind of frustrates me, <laughs> puts me in a bad mood. Like, yo, I'm not talking to you ever again because you're not listening. Right. So if my friends wanted to be put in position, I mean, they should, to me, present themselves in that way because I'm moving. I'm not standing still. Yeah, right, right. So I, I'm not looking at them to be like, yo, I can help this guy right now. I'm not in that position. I'm just moving. So if you want to work with me and learn, you got to jump on this train because I'm moving. Right, right. Type so of it's not necessarily keeping up. It's more or less staying on the radar. Like, I need to see what you're doing versus you trying to just keep up to each of my movements. Because a person will, like, walk or run with you everywhere you go just as long as they're next to you. They're not necessarily doing anything to make me look over at you and say, yeah, I see you and what you're doing. So I think, yeah, I think that makes more sense. The reason why I was asking is because it almost assumes, um, well, most people assume that you become like responsible for one another based on where y'all come from. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, the oath of brotherhood to some extent. You think that because y'all came up together and this is what we come from, you know what I'm saying? Like we are responsible for each other getting up out of the hood. And a lot of times, not even realizing that that person 
that looks at you as the provider. Like your homies look at you like your kids look at you sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they they, yeah. they get it confused. It's almost like you're supposed to take care of your mans. Like, and yeah. you don't realize how how traumatic that is when a person says you didn't take care of your mans. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. like to your to your like your ideal or your logic, you thinking that you're saying you supposed to look out, but because you're not in the the proper positioning that a man is supposed to be in, you actually communicate what you actually want from this person. You want them to take care of you versus provide you with resources. You know what I'm saying? And just like you said, and just like you said, this goes back to one of our first topics. We was all at the same spot one time. Now you done took off. How you do right. that? Why right. you leave? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you end up meeting those people that will like then develop sophisticated ways to to reach back and say, Well, what happened to us? You know what I'm saying? Like they'll make mm-hmm. you feel as though there was a disconnection between the friendship versus Oh, you was just lazy as fuck, and I just got the fuck on about my business and did what I had to do. They'll begin to like make you feel like something changed in their relationship with you, and that's what their issue or their concern is. That's and I'll say this. Go ahead, oh. go ahead. And I'll say this, like just talking to you and being a part of the podcast community, I've learned more about black men, black love, black women, black pride, uh, friendship through podcasting and talking to men like you, right? I mean, um, the women in the podcast community, I've known, you know, certain individuals for years and never learned to think. So a lot of these things go into consideration when, um, somebody comes back into your life. Like you got to think about it. It's just like, okay, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? I'm on a mission. I'm grinding. Like you still think it, it, you still think this 2001, which it mixtape rhymes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like your music still sounds like 2000 dipset. It's like, listen, I'm not there wow, no more. Yeah, yeah. I'm not there no more. Like, I get more fruit, fruit and vegetables over here, and I like that. Now, if you want some fruit and vegetable too, that's fine. I don't mind get, giving you what I got. But what I'm not going to do is leave this palace of knowledge, this palace of positive energy, this palace of cre- content creators to come back to, to do something that never benefited right, ever. Right, right. Wow. Okay. So let's get into um, the sophisticated ways hatred is being displayed today. Now, one of the things that I ultimately see all the time is um, people making you believe that them interceding or interfering with any type of opportunity or experience was to protect you from something that they have even yet to experience for themselves, like them being on the outside looking in they believe that they can see things that you can't right mm-hmm. now in the event that you may just be on the outside looking in you don't realize that your concern is not necessarily intuition is actually jealousy like if you mm-hmm. on the outside looking in and it's a possibility that this person that flaw might be doing business with of course You're not going to know everybody like the back of your hand that you do business with. That's why they tell you that you get what you negotiate, not what you deserve. You're not going to know everybody that you interact with on a business level. But because this person on the outside has this mind frame of, oh, I know, I know flaw. I came up with them for 15 years. They feel like that, that 
that longevity they have with you validates why you should listen to their opinion. And when you decide not to take their opinion, it's like, oh, he sided with, you know, this other person that has no value to our fabric or our, you know, block or whatever it is that they hold dear to their heart. It's almost like you pick something over them. Is that a thing? I'll be honest. Yeah, I'll be honest. I go where the energy takes me, you know, like. We could be, you could be my aunt, my mother, my grandmother. If you shoot me an idea, I don't have to take it. A stranger might shoot me the same idea or something different, and I might gravitate towards right, it. Right, right. I just might, it, it just might be a feel, and I'm really on some energy, on some vibe right, type right, stuff, right, on right. some like, like I don't have to do anything. My whole thing is, it's always been, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do with anybody I don't want to do with. Right, right. I don't care who you are. Now I'm a provider, so I want to see my family do good. But that doesn't necessarily mean I have to take all you guys' ideas. Now, just from the history of of what I've been doing with the podcast thing, we took off. Why? Because strangers gave us a shot. Not because family went crazy and supported us. Not because friends supported us. We took off because strangers that supported is us. Facts. <laughs> the I were like people who help us create, people who help us get grow uh bigger and bigger are from strangers. Who want to see us do good? Right, right. So the energy, I got accustomed to that energy and I like it. So if, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm off that type of time, actually. Like this, this works for me. Right, right. I've seen it happen before where somebody is looking at you who don't know you, but they can add something to your brain. And now we got to go to the next level. I know how it works. It's not necessarily going to come from somebody that's always been there. Not saying that's impossible. Right, right. But yeah, that's, that's a fact. Which leads us to the the second idea of how sophisticated hatred has become. Um, making decisions based on your circumstances. This, well, no, let me take that back. Yeah, that is making decisions based on your circumstances, despite how dishonorable those decisions are. Like, for example, like putting things on other things instead of taking responsibility. The homie that did dirt that you did dirt with may believe there's something wrong with you, with you finding new and legitimate ways of dealing with your circumstances. You might find that stranger that provides you a different type of opportunity, but because he wasn't involved, it's like, well, it can't work for one without it working for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, that to me is a sophisticated way of holding your people back instead of letting him, you know, kind of get a feel for new opportunity and experience. And then possibly, I guess, rewarding you, with the resources that becomes of this exchange. Like, should we take ownership of people like those people before we understand their thought process to the changes that need to be made? Because you really can't help people that only see the block that only can see, you know, the, the hood, the mud, like you can't really do much for them, but give them opportunities to expose them to new things because giving them money and giving them opportunities, giving them jobs is not necessarily going to change who they are. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So in how we look at those friends that we did dirt with, is there an expiration date on that relationship at some point? You got, you got to be mentally strong when it comes to that situation. Uh, we did so much as young men and for some reason, a lot of us think that we owe our friends for the rest of our lives, and we don't. Yeah. 
And sometimes growth means separating yourselves from them. And growth on their part, meaning uh, should be, you know, I understand it's time for, you know, you to go on to bigger and better right, things. Right, right, right. Um, and just by seeing how it all plays out, like when it comes to athletes where they just can't let go of their childhood friends because they held them down. I, I haven't really seen a lot of good stories that come from that. So a lot of this is based on things that I've saw and things that I feel, uh-huh. you know, meaning that no matter what time it is in my life, I need to do what's best for me. So now we call these people friends. How are these so-called friends accepting it? Or how are these so-called friends taking right, it? Right. Oh, now I'm not your friend because I want, I want was I want to do better. We all can't go to where some of us can go. It could be twenty of us in the clique. At a certain age, you might think, "Man, we all gonna make it." A few of you is gonna click in a few of you a few years later, saying, "You know what? This is only for the chosen." Few. Yeah, yeah. And you got a choice to make: Do I stay on the bottom because I can't take everybody, or do I now say, "Okay, listen, y'all, my boys and all." But in order for me to expand, I got to start hanging with that crew over there. I got to start hanging with these guys. And that just comes from a maturity standpoint on your part and your so-called friends. Yeah, yeah. So um, in that, I guess I guess we can transition into talking about family because family struggles with this same thing, too. Like we have those those family ties and sometimes those family ties are tied way too tight. You know what I'm saying? Like the traditions mm-hmm. and upbringings and families that keep the same cycles repeating themselves. Um, Like I've experienced in my personal life, you know, the older generations telling the younger generations what their impossibilities are simply because of the previous failed attempts and the lack of opportunity Mm -hmm. that the older generation of the family had. Like, so they'll minimize, you know, the youth and they won't, they won't even reap the benefits of their sacrifices when they say that they sacrifice for their families. You know what I'm saying? Like seeing right. your the older generation, the older generation try to play it safe because they was just happy that they was free. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like now that they get to see the fruits of that labor, it's like, don't be too free. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so that you you end up not experiencing who your true, you know, self could possibly become or potentially be. Because you have this family member saying, don't go too far. Don't stray too far away from, you know, what we've taught or what we've given you. You know what I'm saying? Like, because even in that freedom, there is still some limitations because that's what somebody else is giving you. It's not you earning for yourself. So it's still, even though it's a blessing that your elders were able to impart and you, that, that still is not your own. It's not your own perspective. It's not your own feelings in regards to life and circumstance. It's another person telling you what you can and can't do, what you can and can't be. And sometimes I think that we as especially as blacks, like we let our families dictate everything for us. You know, some of us knew in the ninth grade that we didn't want to go to college. But because that's what mom and daddy been talking about forever, we just went. You know what I'm saying? And now right, right, right. And now you hate that, you know, you could have potentially been that basketball star or, you know, even that rapper that you thought that you were going to be. You probably was dope. And if you had paid attention to your heart and your true desire, you probably could have gotten where you actually wanted to be. But because you had people telling you what your impossibilities are, that's that's to that to me 
is a sophisticated way of hatred. You don't want to see somebody potentially doing something that requires less work than what you had to put in as that family member. That's hatred. It's wild. It's wild that you bring this up. I was just listening to an audio book um, and I can't think of the name of it, but it was basically um, talking about this topic to where it says that your parents want what's best for you. So when they tell you to put the mic down because you don't want to be no gangster rapper, um, they want what's best for you. They say the problem is the parent and the child. What we don't know how to do is articulate why you shouldn't do it and why you want to. Do it. Right, right. Like we don't have the conversation of like if, if, if I come into my son's room and he's rapping, I'm going to say, well, if you don't put that microphone down, pick up a book, man, all rappers do is get killed. My son, because he don't know how to articulate, won't have an answer. For right. He might just suck his teeth and be like, Dad, all right. And he might sneak and do it. So my and my reason for him not to be a rapper ain't good enough either. Right, right. So we're really not articulating to each other on why we want to do things. And what the book was telling me was if the child actually explained, which, which is hard, I, I get. But if you were able to explain why you wanted to do something. It's your parents' job to listen and be like, okay, I see what you're trying to do. I see your vision. I want what's best for you. Um, because parents take that, I want what's best for you too far, like you're saying. They try to tell the kids what to right. do because they think they know what's right. best. The, the friends you hang out with, the jobs you select, the schools you go to, all of those things. Like You're going to go to college because, well, you're going to be the first one to do it in our family. Like You can't tell me. I have to be the first one. I don't want right. to be the first one. I don't even care to be the first one. I don't even care. Right, like, right. They, it's not going to matter. But that's crazy. Like I said, that you brought that up where it says, and it doesn't work all the time because you're going to have your parents who just like, I said what I said <laughs> in the story. Right. But every time your child, every time your parent does come to you with, the, no, you can't be a rapper. You can't be this. We don't really have a comeback as the child. We just like, mm -hmm. oh man, okay, fine. So it's, it's 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 definitely about expressing yourself and explaining, hey, this is why I want to do this. Yeah, and that that um example of not being able to express is ultimately like a part of a lot of the questions that we never get answers to. Like the way that I look at rappers nowadays, depending on what kind of rap you do, it's just the audio diary of all of the things that you feel that a person doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily even give themselves the opportunity to even listen to because they're so based. They're basing everything on their preference, you know, like yeah. you'll be surprised how much a person will say in song that tells you everything you need to know about them as an artist. You know, there is like literally one artist for every generation that only had one album, but that album still resonates with people because it tells you what kind of person they really are. You got those people that still are diehard Lauryn Hill fans. She never put out anything past the miseducation with the exception of the live, you know, MTV unplugged album. But outside yeah. of that, like there are people that still live and die by that one album. You know what I'm saying? And this was mm -hmm. enough for these people to, to understand this person and to, to respect and appreciate the fabric of this human being. And I think that we need to stop trying to traditionalize everything because everybody is not going to use the same resource or the same um, expression to communicate. And I think that rappers 
just because it doesn't, you know, always necessarily yield a retirement or a 401k doesn't mean that it's not legitimate. It's actually a creative art. It's a performance. It's a performance art. It's a part of who a person can actually be. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you're going to find yeah. people that are better at being a musician than being a mechanic. That's just the way that life mm-hmm. is designed. Everybody has their own complexities, but this sophisticated way of telling people you're not going to amount to, or this is not enough, you know, it's, it's covered up or it's like presented as I'm just trying to protect you. No, you're trying to limit me. You know what I'm saying? Like you're trying to minimize my ideal for my life. And that becomes problematic. And it's hard to have this conversation because as two men who get it, we got to like think for people who actually, right. you know, talk to their Right. So me having a kid, like my son is 17 and he told me about this script that he's writing. Like he's into mm-hmm. acting and I'm not, not one time that I tell him that man acting, man, no, like go, go, you know what I mean? Like, no. Okay. So every day I ask him, how's that script coming along? Because if you choose to do something, what you're going to do is work your butt right, off. Right. See that, see that's, that's the message we should be giving him. Or you want to be a rapper? I'm going to be a boy every day. How many songs you wrote today? Right, Let right, me hear something. Right. Instead of saying, nah, you ain't going to be no rapper. <laughs> so like I say, it's it's, it's kind of hard to have this conversation because I was never that type of guy. Like, if this is what you want to do, guess what? You're going to be the best at it. Yeah, so yeah. So let's go. Yeah. And and I mean, and it's it's time for us to understand that we all need our own identity. Like, um, everything is told and forced to us. Like, we don't even get to pick our own God. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, you grow up with the the ideal of believing that you're setting standard by saying in this house will serve the Lord. But you don't even get to evaluate what is the character of this God we serve. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's and that's wild because, you know, it just as a young child, like, I don't know how everybody else found out about, you know, God and things of that nature. But in Jesus mm-hmm. But the way I was taught confused me, and nobody never had answers for right, me. Right, right, right. But I, but what I wasn't going to do is tell my grandma that I don't believe in what she believes in because whatever it is she believes in, you know, it it gives it gives our grandmothers lives because people got to understand what our grand what our grandparents went right, through. Right, right, right. And whatever they believe in, and it got them feeling great, fine. And I will respect you when I'm in your house, and I'll even respect you when you're in mine. But for me, it don't make it don't add up. Yeah. So I gotta, I had to find something else to say. Okay, because something has to exist. Because guess what, we wouldn't right, be here. Right. <laughs> so something has to exist. Just make it make sense for me. And they could never make yeah, it make sense. Nobody could. Nobody could. And yeah. you know, and what's scary is to, um, like I just had an experience not too long ago. Matter of fact, on Easter, you know, um. I celebrated with family on Easter because, and you know, my family traditional, you know, holidays and, you know, we get together, we, we break bread and we commune. So, um, I remember like just having the conversation and, um, like my mother, you know, devout Christian, you know, and I grew up that way. I typically had my, you know, experiences with church hurt and, you know, I'm not the same in that regard to, how I look at or respond to church. But like, I remember we were having a conversation and um, I was telling her about one of my, um, my newest friends 
who is a Muslim, and initially her response was, "You better not come here and tell me you' about to be a Muslim." But my, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, mom, like, what do you even know about the Muslims right. to even have that, I, you know, that ideal? But what that comes from is that traditional family life, that that family tie that might be tied too tight. You don't even know what you're discriminating against. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. I've like just watching the whole process of like the Nipsey Hustle um, funeral and all of these different things. And every time I see Minister Farrakhan, even though we know that he is a part of the nation of Islam, he quotes the Bible yeah. just about every time I hear him speak. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And even though he disputes yeah. some of the things in the Bible, he typically knows and is very, you know, well-rounded and educated in regards to the Holy Bible. So my thing is, how do you defend yourself against all of these different religions if you don't even know what they believe? Because tactically, you would have to know what they believe in order for you to have a healthy debate. You can't debate people or you can't say that this is the way if you don't necessarily even know what their experiences are. And I think that that's what makes it difficult because we are so busy trying to compete with even what's the better religion. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, instead of looking at it, like, are you righteous? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. You know, and it's always a competition and everything. So like when she said it naturally, I had that like disposition of like, I know she don't even know what the Muslims are, but then you kind of like, you know, you spare the opportunity of having the dialogue because you know where it comes from. It's just that family tie that, you know, Yeah, my, it's, it's oh. just crazy. Like, I, you know, I just, I just want to have the opportunity to find myself, my own religion, my own spirituality. You know, I want my opportunity Absolutely. to be who I am. So like, I'm trying to rid myself of all of these sophisticated ways. People manipulate me into doing things that I don't necessarily want to do. You know what I'm saying? Anyone, anyone know it's crazy? Because, you know, the way I see it, right? I I look at it as, okay, the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, like you put energy into the universe and the universe is watching only because, guess what? I can see it. There's a sky. There's something above the sky. I know that the universe exists. Like, I had to find something that I knew actually existed. Right, right. You know, because they, they told me that heaven was in the sky. No, it's not. It told me that hell was beneath my feet. No, it's not. So everything was just like, it didn't make sense to me. What can make sense to me? Something I can believe. Mm-hmm. Then I got to thinking, okay, God, he already knows who we are. So whatever you want to believe in, he already knows. Like, you're like, like we're, we're already, um, because just like you said with the Nipsey Hustle thing, um, I've been to funerals. Funerals never made sense to me. It wasn't until I watched the Nipsey Hustle um, going home service mm-hmm. to where that one pastor broke it down to where it made sense the most. Where Nipsey Hustle was a 33 year old man and God knew Nipsey was coming to the earth and he knew Nipsey only had 33 years to live because something tragic was going to happen. So he put everything into Nipsey's 33 years. Wow. Wow. The way that the way um, preachers would break it down to you at a funeral was, well, God called this person home. And I'm like, huh? Why in such a brutal manner? Why did you have to call my friend or family member home with gunshots? Wow. Like it wow. didn't make sense to me. But it wasn't until the pastor broke it down at the Nipsey Hustle funeral to where God knows 
mm. your journey. Yeah. So if anybody out there is, is 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 wants to break away from their family's tradition of religion and find their own, God already knows. He already knows how long it's going to take you. He already knows um, what you're going to decide. <laughs> um, for me, it's to me, it's just a respect thing. Like I say, I'm never going to challenge my grandmother on what she believes because of what it get, what it got her. Right, right. And if that's and if that's what she thinks is right, grandma, have a right, ball. Right, right. Um, my mother, I I know what she went through and how her life changed when she found God. That's for you, mom. I'm never going to tell you how I truly feel about the entire situation. I'm going to move accordingly to what feels good for me. Right, right, right. And that's important, you know, um, to have your own compass for your own navigation in your life. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want to look back and, and say to yourself over the course of your lifetime, I never did anything that I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, like sometimes traditions can be hindrances and we have to understand that, um, giving people the opportunity to experience their identity, you know what I'm saying? Is so beneficial to some of the mistakes that they won't even make because they'll have a sense of self along their own journey. But I wanted to kind of like briefly touch on, um, your flaw fitness because like um I see how you try to empower brothers to get in the gym and get healthy and there's a concept called deadlifting right mm-hmm. and it's almost like the belief of dead weight being heavier than anything in the world you know what I'm saying like it's just like this yeah. when you see these dudes picking up these bars and it's just like my god how the fuck does he do it that to mm-hmm. me is kind of like how I see the black man. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like you look at those black men that, you know, carry their families, they protectors, they providers, they give all the provisions and then they don't even get the opportunities to experience their identity. Um, just taking a break from life just to be who they are, even if that's just merely being lazy. Like some black men never get that opportunity and they have, a lot of things to carry, but there's also dead weight too. Like um, you being like the experienced person in the actual like deadlifting process. Like, what are some keys that you can use to make parallel to men and their deadlifting in life as you would in the gym? Like, if there was a way for you to compare the two, like how would you teach a guy? how to like properly position himself and know how to handle dead weight. As far as dead weight, you, you have to first understand that your growth does not mean that everybody's going to grow with you. Right. So when you lift in weights in the gym, let's say everybody goes to the gym. It's four of you guys in the mm-hmm. gym. You guys are all lifting the same because it's your first time in the gym. Somebody is going to start lifting heavier and start doing more. And that's okay. When it comes to like, you know, family and real life and you go to work all the time and you don't got time for yourself because you're maturing, you're reading books, you're just around different people. But your family, whether it be your girl, whether it be your partner or you eat like your kids, you just like you just keep having child after child. Mm-hmm. And you like, man, I can't I, I haven't been on vacation. I haven't taken a break. Right. I now got two jobs because the bills mm-hmm. is due. Um, it's. You have to understand 
that it's okay to do for self from time to time. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say, listen, I'm I'm about to dip for a day, 24 hours. Like, don't nobody call me. <laughs> don't nobody do, don't, don't reach out. It's okay to do that. The problem is when you're dealing with somebody who's not growing with you, change could mean, change kind of looks foreign to right. them. Oh, you're acting different. Yeah. You're yeah. acting different. If these conversations persist, you guys ought to have that conversation because you cannot not grow because your partner isn't growing. Wow. And right, right. just just because I want something for myself does not mean that I'm cheating on you, stepping out on you, don't love you no more. Um, and if your partner can't see that, if they're not trying to see this, that's a difference. Not seeing is cool because you're growing. But show them the growth. Right, right. If they're not if they're not trying to see it, Family or not, you have to reevaluate yourself because why? You are born alone. You want to die alone. If you carry around dead weight because of the F word, family, if you carry around dead weight because you care about what people are going to think about you, you, my friend, will never uh, reap the benefits of the full potential that is for you. I don't care how many children you have. I don't care what relationship you're in. You still have to be the best version of you. That's a fact. That's a fact. So so you got to understand that when it comes to the dead weight, man, you have to understand that you have to make time for yourself. I do not care how many children you have, how many jobs you have, how insecure your partner is. If they can't handle. See, here's the thing. A lot of times people think happiness comes from the partner only. If I can't make you happy, then you don't need to be happy. That that thing where you're laughing at your phone, what, what you are you laughing, laughing at? at? Right, right. Right. Oh, I can't laugh because you didn't tell me the joke? Like, <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, if you're not laughing at day jokes, they want to know what you're laughing at because they want to they laugh at everything you laugh at and they want parts of your joy. Mm-hmm. Understand? Sometimes my joy is for me. Go find your own comedy. Facts, you know what I mean? So facts. people hate using the word selfish. And I hate using the word selfish, but sometimes you gotta be gotta selfish. Be. Gotta be. That's and you learn you learn a lot because if you can't get a date to yourself, you're gonna have to reevaluate that, man. Like, yo, you mean to tell me I I can't get a date? But guess who gets a date? The women do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the women do. Oh yeah. And that and that that's kind of what we need to instill in our men too. It's like, man, look. You know, we don't have to necessarily label it what they label it because ultimately it's not even the same. When we try mm-hmm. to like venture off, like they look at it like you know pamper parties and like those type yeah. of things. Like no, we going out with yeah, the girls. We just want to break. You know what I'm saying? Like it ain't yeah. even really about celebrating. But all the time, look at the language that we're using. A break. Oh, so what do you want to break from? Me? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> it's the language that we're using that throws them off. I just yeah. need a break. Oh, you need a break from us, right. huh? <laughs> but I mean, but that, but that's a problem because, like, if you only know one language, you don't know how to communicate very well. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's all in how you look at it. Like, if you're only seeing this person moving in a different direction that typically makes them, like, venture off from you to a certain extent, you don't realize that growth is not the same as distance. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't realize that, you know, this person being focused could easily be misrepresented with being selfish. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you think that they're doing something totally opposite 
of what it really is. So because you only know how to communicate one way, and especially when you communicate with yourself only one way, you only see your needs and not the fact that you need to be more supportive. You only see what you're lacking, not necessarily understanding all of the things that this person has given you to justify why they're going on that day, you know, break where they just want to cut off all ties and communication for just one day. Like you're so, a lot so focused on the wrong things and we need to learn to communicate better. Like you said, you know, cause I mean, I can get how a break could sound that way. It's all in the language. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's all in the language that we yeah. use. We mean well, but just by calling it a break, we're telling where they registered. Not all, because some people are going to hear this and say, <laughs> not me, not all women are going to, they're going to register it as, Oh, you need a break from me. What did I do? Is it somebody else? I'm just, it, I, <laughs> but Hey man, like, I've seen look, it. I need a break from you. That's cool. Uh, you know what mm, I'm saying? Like, that's cool. That should be okay yeah. to say. That should be okay yes, to say. It is. Absolutely. I need a break from you. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, yeah. you know, as a human being, we can overwhelm each other. That's a part of our emotional exchange. I just don't want to deal with it right now. I'm about to go and do me. Have a nice day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we should be able to communicate that. But, I mean, of course, we basically communicated another way of sophisticated hatred. We can't mm -hmm. allow people their own peace, their own happiness, and their own joy mm -hmm. without us playing a significant factor in it. Mm -hmm. That's that's another form of, I mean, because I think we believe that hatred is ultimately that you just do not like or you despise. But it ultimately just communicates that you just don't want people to experience things without you. You know what I'm saying? And that's not really the the most conducive way to even grow. And that's a terrible, that's a terrible way to yeah. live life. To, to think that the second your partner steps outside and has fun, you're going to lose them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, come on. Like, how do you value yourself by thinking that? Like, you don't. How much are you worth as, as a, a person, person just right. to think that as a person, like, yo, you mean to tell me that if I need a break from you, I go having a good time, that I'm automatically going to change? <laughs> I'm not the same person? Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't even know me. I right? You don't really know me then. Yeah. Yo, you talking that talk. <laughs> you don't know me. And now, guess who's afraid? But check it. You got kids. You got house. But guess who's afraid to reevaluate this because you're so deep mm -hmm. into it? You just learned your partner does not know right. you. After all this time. After all this time. And you got a decision to make. You got it. That, that's, that's years crazy. of provision. That's years of protection. And she's still. No real argument. Right, and she yeah, still. No don't real know argument. You. No fighting. But you still got to be like, okay, this woman just showed me she don't even know me. I have to reevaluate my relationship. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's deep. That's. All because you stepped out of the comfort zone of the relationship. And I want to challenge a lot of. I want to challenge some people out there that's listening, man. And. I don't want to break up no happy homes, but test it. Do something out the norm. A lot of, I think a lot of people do, uh, stay in the norm to keep peace. Mm -hmm. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't live like that. Though. And it's not even their own peace, though. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's yeah. not even your own peace. Yeah. It's really just to, to coexist with a person that you know gonna have something to say if you just so happen to do something that made you happy. That's Absolutely. Crazy. That's crazy. Living on eggs, living on eggshells day to day. Like, I better not say this or do that. Right, right. Or... <laughs> so we at like an hour and 20 minutes pretty much. So we're going to like just kind of wrap this up. But I want to ask one question because 
um, in black communities, we have these legendary catchphrases and things that represents um, all of our brotherhoods and some of our families, too, um, where we say, I am my brother's keeper. Right now, my brother's keeper is an oath of brotherhood that will imply that I have your back forever. And it 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 really does apply to both family and, you know, our homies. But how do we make sure as brothers we become sufficient to protect ourselves better so that we don't become burdens to other people? You know what I'm saying? Because there's an accountability factor that plays a significant part in how these oaths are created. So in the event that a brother doesn't hold up his end of the bargain, is there a point where that oath expires? Because it's like you don't take responsibility for yourself, like how we talk about relationships. You don't take responsibility for yourself in those moments where I just need to breathe. Like when we become those people that take the responsibility of being the keeper of everybody, is it a point that we say, okay, look, enough is enough. You need to be able to, you know, carry yourself and be sufficient on your own. I do think so because I was I I was brought up on the Cuban link effect. Okay, you know what I mean. Like it's an unbreakable right, chain. Right. So when you got so when men grab hands and we form a circle of power, if that one link just can't seem to get it together, and it starts to affect the whole chain, yeah, that person has yeah it has to go. Like it got to work both ways. And that's what everything, that's what a relationship, and that's just basically what we just talked about with the relationship. If I'm making all the sacrifices to keep everybody happy, then there really is nothing. Mm, mm. You know? So if if I'm my brother's keeper and you're my brother's keeper, I can't be my brother's keeper without you being my brother's keeper. It can't wow. happen that way. That don't mean that don't mean that I don't have genuine love for you. But for the overall effect of what we're trying to accomplish, yeah, especially, especially if like if I know you and I know that you don't have any issues mentally, you straight like you you got your head on right, you just don't have it at the time. Um, see, what people got to understand is though, we'll get it, but just because I got it, don't mean you are gonna get it when I get it. Facts. Facts. Come back when you get it, because there's nothing better than doing it when you finally figure yeah. it out. It's nothing like, now tell me this, BJ. I'm pretty sure it's people have told you stuff over and over again, but it didn't register with you because you weren't mm-hmm. ready for it. All the time. But when you got it, but when you did get it, you said, oh my oh, God. Yeah. So this yeah. is it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, ready now. I maximize that. You know what I'm saying? And I yeah. go back to you and tell you, like, bro, I figured it out. Like, you told me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, paying that respect and paying those those like learning experiences forward like you know you have to remind people that what they did for you you know actually registered at this point mm-hmm. and it wasn't you know taken for granted and it wasn't in vain either so it's always those moments for me always those points yeah. where like I'll hear something and of course it could be podcast and it could be just regular conversation and it'll make me go back and say you know what my bro told me that you know, let me mm-hmm. see how he doing and let me tell him about the experience I had with something he shared with me over the course of our relationship. Because saying that to him makes him valuable. It's almost like, OK, even if you have grown past your relationship, it still adds a certain value like you contributed to 
something that actually became something. It gives you a sense of worth and accomplishment. So I, I want to tell my brothers all the time, like, look, bro, you did that for me. And I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate it because now I finally get it. You know what I'm saying? And those are the conversations yeah. that we can have to um, to strengthen our links and our bonds, because I don't think that we really understand what we're here for, for each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like you said, it's like if, if you're not as strong as you need to be, but I'm always in position to maintain strength. When do I ever get to depend on you? Yeah, you know what I'm right. saying? So because it's going to come a time. Yeah. And you're going to definitely need that brother that is more so that brother that always depends on you versus the one that's available to you because you kind of feel mm -hmm. like, well, I'm always here for you, bro. Why do I have to look to somebody else before you? You know, you kind of right. have to take that responsibility, especially if you that person that's always leaning on that same person. Be ready for them to lean on you at some point, you know, because that will kind of shift your energy and your relationship too. I have a lot of homeboys that, don't understand why I don't communicate because it's like the minute I say I have something, you find a need for my resources. Oh, bro, let me, yeah. you know, let me be a part of, let me do or let me have. And it's like, bro, like I want you to celebrate the fact that I've overcame this obstacle that I've been, you know, I've been presented opportunities from my struggle. I want you to applaud me first before you find something yeah. to do with it. Don't don't win five hundred dollars on scratch off and tell you, man. Yo, let me get two hundred. Yeah, it's like when all of a sudden you need two hundred dollars. Like <laughs> facts, man. That's crazy. It's I mean, it's all in how we go about, you know, structuring things moving forward. That's why I like this is this is what drives me in podcasting. It's like having these conversations where we can teach people like you have to do things differently. You have to change tradition in order for traditions to absolutely to, you know represent what they're supposed to represent you know like we have to challenge the things that we were taught growing up and hopefully it'll strengthen our bonds too because as men we definitely need each other like mm -hmm. without a doubt i mean we need each other when it comes to how we deal with our women too you know you need those yeah. strong brothers that'll tell you like bro you out of line you know what i'm saying that's a good woman Whatever, like you need those people that can keep you focused on your focus. And I just think that that's kind of what I've been on is just pretty much providing people with a way to see how we can do better without condemning or talking down to, you know, the guy. Because we all want to feel like we still valuable, even though we messing up or possibly having some missteps. So. I really appreciate you, man. You really dropped a lot of gems on this one, man. This was really good. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out. I ain't even let you get to introduce yourself, so you got to <laughs> do the intro so you can tell everybody about your show and everything you got going on so they can follow you on their own time. So just go ahead and let them know who you are. It's your boy, Floor 700, a.k.a. Floor Claude Van Damme, a.k.a. Floor Seagal. <laughs> ah! AKA your boy, <laughs> dumb some going. I am half of the podcast brothers, man. We drop podcast episodes every Monday. We on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube. Follow us on the YouTube's, man. Absolutely, like, let's get it popping yeah, on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I also um, just started a company. I started a company. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, I saw that. It's called yeah, it's called the Pod Express, <laughs> man. Um, yeah, and it's crazy. It's crazy because I've been doing podcasting for three years, and this is just something that just never crossed my mind. Um, there's so many studios across the world where you know, I mean, people charge for people to make music, and they do it. And you know, I have a podcast mobile studio. And I know so many people want a show, mm. but don't don't have the equipment or just don't want to do the label. Yeah, they just want to talk, talk and go right, home. Right. And business is business is booming, man, for me. Like for the time I got, I got three shows to record starting Sunday. Like that's that's huge for me. Um so yeah. Yeah, man. Make sure y'all go. Life is make good. Make sure y'all go if you in the New Jersey area, man. Hit him up, man. He got opportunities for y'all to you know be sufficient and do what you got to do in your own creative regard so definitely get in tune with what he's doing with pod express that's dope man and you know what i'm saying one more thing about the pod mm-hmm. express um facetime and video chat and phone calls or um i do those too so if you're not in the new jersey area if you're not in the tri-state area and, you, <laughs> and you're you're from you're from right, texas right. and you want to record I got you. You know what I mean? So market. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to limit myself. Absolutely. So, man, appreciate you for everything, man. Make sure you guys go follow Flaw and the podcast brothers. He's also um, the head of the Audio Fam Network, which is a lot of dope people. I really want to make it that way so I get to kick it with everybody. I really enjoy social gibberish and um, people don't really value Mama Yoga. Like, they should yeah man. like those little yeah. quick little episodes really be helping you get through you know what i'm saying and she yeah. just has that that very stellar wisdom that you know i really enjoy and i gotta be a little bit more diligent with keeping up with what she does so um definitely it's some dope shows on the audio fam network so everything that you could possibly do they're doing you know what i'm saying as far as the mm-hmm. culture is concerned so Definitely uh, connect with those people on that side. If you want to connect with me, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm only on Twitter at BJ, and my show page is The Subject Change. I would like to thank you guys for tuning in to me and Flaw talking about sophisticated hatred. Let us know what you think. Catch you in two weeks. Peace. Yes, sir.